Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Hello and welcome to another installment of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons podcast series. This is the second part of our series discussing infection and joint replacement. During these final two segments, we will interview two patients who sustain joint replacement infections to get their perspective on the diagnosis, management, and treatment of their respective conditions. For more information about all aspects of hip and knee replacement, please visit our website, hipknee.aahks.org. My name is Dr. Matthew Bullock, and I am a orthopedic surgeon from Marshall University School of Medicine in Huntington, West Virginia. I am a hip and knee replacement surgeon who completed my fellowship at Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. I will be serving as the moderator for tonight's podcast. Joining us this evening are our two volunteer patients. First is Nancy Bullock from Chicago, no relation, and Randall Skaggs from Kentucky. Hello, guys, and welcome to our podcast tonight. Hi. Great to be here. Hi, Nancy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So what we want to do tonight is kind of ask you guys some questions about your point of view, your perspective, kind of get to know kind of what was going through your mind, what kind of thoughts were going on when some, when the doctor said you had infection and kind of what your thoughts were along this whole treatment journey that you had to help to get you back to the place that you're at, at now. We'll go ahead and start with the first question here. Uh, I guess we'll start with Nancy here. So okay. Nancy, so you had an infected hip replacement, is that correct? I did. Yep. Okay. So when did you realize something was wrong with your hip replacement? Kind of take me through that kind of what was your experience or how did you know this isn't quite right? Yeah, what a journey. I had my hip replaced in December of 2012. Mm-hmm. And then in February of 2013, I thought something was a little bit off. I had a fever and I had hotness and redness in my leg where the incision was that lasted for 24 hours and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. So I was concerned, but not alarmed. And I made an appointment with my original orthopedic surgeon for a couple weeks later to talk about what was going on. Did you have any pain with that? Any discomfort or just the the swelling and warmth? No, it alarmed me. And I also was incredibly dismissive of it. I mean, I thought, okay, this is just like my thing. But I did an appointment with my orthopedic surgeon who did my original hip replacement. Okay. Okay. Now, did your original orthopedic surgeon, did they let you know what to look out for, signs of an infection, what to look for? I mean, I certainly got all of the material and I was aware of it. And honestly, if I was honest, 
my first thought was, this is not going to be an infection. I'm just going to ignore this, but I'm going to go see my doctor anyway. I was very much in denial, to be honest. Okay. We often hear that story a lot from patients that, hey, well, this could be, but I don't think it's me. I think it's just maybe I'm a little sick, have a little bug, and then it'll go away. So it sounds like that's what your experience was. Absolutely. Side of things. Okay. Randall. So I wanted to ask you the same thing. So Randall, you had an infected knee replacement. Kind of take me through kind of how did you come up to the point where you realized something was wrong with your knee? How, what kind of symptoms did you have? What did you experience? Or how did you know something was wrong with your knee? Well, I had a long history of a knee issue that goes all the way back to 1980 when I was in college and I blew out my knee, ruptured ligaments and all of that, and finally had a knee replacement some six years ago. And it was doing great. I was playing golf, doing all the things that I could. But then all of a sudden, I went on a cruise and caught Vibrio because of another medical issue. So I battled infection for about a year. And then that's when I met up with this new infection that consumed me and just literally mine was a little different. Mine was overnight. It seemed like that all of a sudden my knee swelled up and I mean, it was huge and the pain was excruciating pain. And uh, of course we immediately sought attention because of that. I couldn't walk on it even. And so low grade fever, those type things. So it was something that where the pain and the swelling and all of that demanded that I seek attention immediately. And of course, that's when I went to the ER and uh, got treatment, was treated. And I think that's kind of a key point here. And both of you guys have said that your hip and your knee was doing well. And then all of a sudden something hit and you're like, this isn't right. This isn't normal. This is different than what I've had before. And the key here is, you know, there's something wrong. You have infection type symptoms, fevers, could have chills, sweats, pain, and the pain usually does not go away. You said you couldn't walk on it. It was too painful to put weight on it. You couldn't function. Something was definitely wrong. And that caused you, it prompted you guys to seek out medical attention. So, okay. And that's something we want our listeners to at least understand that, hey, it can be doing well, but something as simple as a brief moment like Nancy had for for a day or two, and then the opposite where Randall was really sick for a couple hours is prompting to go to the ER right away, and then definitely knew that something was going on. So, yeah. All right. You know, I mean, I think the challenge for me is that that was February of 2013, And I didn't get a new hip or a spacer until December of 2017. Wow. So through that time, I had an aspiration of my hip to see if it was infected. I met with three doctors and everybody, I can't fault them. They were very conservative. But I went from 2013 to 2017 with a hip infection that didn't present until it ulcerated and I was in the hospital needed to get a new hip. And I have to say that I was the biggest 
person that was trying to make this a slow path because I didn't want this to be a hip infection. And so when the aspiration came back, I had a hip aspiration, which was very painful Mm -hmm. and it came back negative. So there was no bacteria in my hip in 2014. And then I had numerous other sort of evaluations Mm -hmm. and I wasn't like raising my hand to say I have a hip infection, but there was something going on because I was in pain. I had muscle issues. I had issues with stuff going on. And I was probably as much of part of this process as anybody in that I didn't want this to be a hip infection. I knew what that meant. But I have to tell you, I saw several very, very, very well-known hip people who were like, well... Let's just see what's going on. So it wasn't like a slam dunk. Right, that right. I should get a hip replacement and I didn't want a hip replacement. So it sounds like the denial was in that. And again, it's not me. This can't be me. I've, I've seen the specialist. I've seen a couple of them and this yep. can't be it. This can't be it. Um, yep. Keeping along this theme here, Randall, what was going through your mind when you were told you had an infected knee? Well, mine happened so quickly that I met my doctor in the hallway as I was going into surgery and I'd been aspirated and the guy, the intern said, look, we're going to send this off. There's a question. We'll get it back tonight. And as he was drawing it off, he said, oh no, we got a problem. It was just so full of infection that he drew off two or three of the big tubes of it. And so I didn't have any time to deny it. It just happened so quickly. And man, next thing I knew, I was going into surgery that night. And I just didn't have really time to think about it. But, you know, nobody ever thinks when you have a knee replacement that, oh, infection is a possibility. I know the doctors tell you that. They tell you up front. They warn you over and over. But you know, I kind of had the mindset, Nancy, that it ain't gonna. It's not going to happen to me. <laughs> exactly. And if it does, I'm tough. I'll take it. No big deal. Wow, was I wrong? Because I had the replacement already for five or six years, then got the infection, and it was quite an ordeal quickly for me. And this brings up the point here. So. Not all infections are equal. Not all infections are the same. And right. and it, Randall's case, it sounds like it was an acute infection that developed over, you know, a couple days to, you know, maybe a week. And Nancy, of course, when it was when it had it in 2013, and it yeah. took you so many years to get it diagnosed. Four years, right? That was more of a low grade or a lower infection that they couldn't really find. It wouldn't, no obvious signs that would just say, hey, I'm an infection. So talking with you guys, this is how infections could present. There's the real obvious ones where you're sick as a dog and you're in the emergency room and we got to take you now. And there's the other ones like, well, it could be, it could not be, we're not sure. We took the blood work, we took the aspiration and and nothing's growing. And so it's important that it's, it's good to have you guys here. So one's at the one end of the spectrum and the other one's at the other end of the spectrum. And, and 
this is how it happened. It's not clear cut. It's not black and white. It's more gray from yeah, time to time. Totally. And I think you have to trust your own body at a certain level and say, okay, this is what the science is saying, but this is what I'm feeling and keep pursuing it. I mean, cause that's what my journey was, was kind of, kind of saying, well, I know this is what the tests say, but this is what I'm feeling. And so you need to be very aware of what you feel and be advocate in terms of what's happening. And I don't fault any of my medical practitioners who were conservative in this because there wasn't, I think, I mean, better for worse, I think my body was really good at fighting the infection. And so it didn't like present, mm-hmm. okay. you know, for four years and then it did. And then it was clear, but I feel like you have to work with your doctors. And I worked with two doctors. I worked with three doctors, honestly, through this four years. And they were all amazing people. And I don't fault any of them for not saying like, go now. Because doing two surgeries and antibiotics is a huge commitment and you don't do that lightly. Right. That's true. I mean, you, you start thinking about that leads to our next point here is, is Nancy, it sounds like you had more time to think about it, whereas Randall was more acute. So what's going through your mind when you were told that, okay, now we've diagnosed the infection or, or the docs actually found it? What was your thought? Did you feel relief? Did you feel anger? Or finally, we have an answer. What was going through your mind at that point? I mean, did you come to terms and believe, okay, yeah, this explains, I put everything together, put all the puzzle pieces together. Okay, this makes sense. This is an infection. Like, how did you come to that? Or what were your feelings like when you finally said, okay, I have an infection. Now what? I mean, for me, I came to a point where I felt a bunch of symptoms. I was tired. I later found out I had very low hemoglobin from the infection. I was winded. I had a lot of different issues. And I said, okay, I need to stop denying this. And I need to go into what's next. And I went to my orthopedic surgeon, my second orthopedic surgeon. And I said, we need to do something. And he said, yep, you have to have a hip replacement. That was September of 2017. And my first hip replacement was December of 2013. And I said, I need to deal with this because this is a big deal. And he said, yep, you know what? You've got an infection and you need to deal with this. And that's when I started partnering with my medical partners and saying, okay, I need to stop denying this because I don't feel well. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Come to terms of it. Randall, what do you think? Mine was not a long-term thing, so I didn't have that much time to think about it and all that. But when the doctor described to me what they were about to do, because I found myself in a situation that was very serious quickly that he could not do what he wanted to do in that procedure because it was same day I went in that night we had surgery. And so they went in and did a flush and all of that. But then we found out that this was going to be much more of an ordeal ahead of me than it was that night. And so 
it, those thoughts were after the fact that when I woke up the next day that, oh my goodness, this is serious stuff. And there's going to be some choices I have to make in the future. And it's going to be a long process. Right. And so it just was a little overwhelming. It really was. But my doctor had a good doctor that explained some things to me and really helped me along the way that way. I agree. It's kind of having information for me was was critical once I got to that point and hearing like what needs to happen and this is what's going to happen. Right. And then you're going to be good. Yeah. Really helped me in terms of just saying, okay, screw it. Like I have to stop denial. This is happening to me and I want to get on the other side of it. And I can do this. I can do this with my doctor. I think this is important to bring up as well. Some patients think that they can just treat these infections with oral antibiotics. Here, go to the doctor, get some pills, and it'll take care of this. And as both of you guys have pointed out, like these oral antibiotics are not going to get away or not going to take away the, the fever, the chills, the pain. You can't get comfortable. I mean, this is a serious thing. We talk in the other two parts of our podcast that the bacteria can actually attach to the implant and they kind of set up shop and oral antibiotics can't penetrate that. IV antibiotics really can't penetrate that unless it's caught very, very early. And that's why surgery is needed. That's why this is important to, if you have a problem, get to your doctor, you know, let them evaluate you and let them do what we got to do to help to preserve the joint as much as we can or, or to keep you functional as much as we can. I think this is important to point out too that your surgeon is the expert for hip or knee replacement. Family doctor, although they help a lot, ER doctor, they help a lot, you know, the ultimate answer should lie in the hands of an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Those other professionals can help guide you there, but it's important to, hey, you've got to follow up with your surgeon for Absolutely. that. So, Absolutely. I want to ask, sometimes there's, there's talk out there that infections can't be cured. Infections yeah. can lead to amputations. That's very, very rare that it can happen, especially as a surgeon, but it does happen. Any yeah. of those thoughts go through your mind at all, guys? Well, for me, I'm sitting before you tonight. I do not have a knee. My replacement has been removed. And I have found that mobility without a artificial joint is very difficult. But I am able to get around. I've played ball all my life and been active and using a walker. I'm hearing a lot of comments from people I know about me using a walker and it you know, you just got to laugh and go on, but I have liver disease. I have cirrhosis. And so they're finding that my infection is probably uh, some issues are going to arise out of that uh, on our next steps. And in fact, tomorrow I go for an aspiration to see where we're at on the infection. And I'm excited to find out because I'm ready for a new knee and yeah. I'm ready to go play golf next spring. And so uh, I hope that's the case. And I hope it's not that I lose my leg by next spring. But you know what? My doctor did a good job. One day I was, I don't know if he detected that I was low or what, but he, 
He made the comment when we were talking about the possibility of amputation. He said, hey, but there is life after amputation. There's life after all this. And I'm a pastor, and I'm usually the one who's telling people that, you know, trying to stay positive. Man, when he said that, it just clicked with me. And I said, man, he's right. So what? I'll be able to get around. I'll be able to visit my kids. And if things would go great, because I'm a fairly large fella, I'm six, seven and a half, and I'm well over 200 pounds. And (laughs) so, you know, even if a prosthesis is the case, I'll be able to get around and do things. There's life after this. And uh, he was such an encouragement uh, to me that day. So, you know, whatever happens from this point on, uh, there's life after this. And I'm hoping for the best. I have a lot of confidence in my doctor. And and if not, then, you know, there's some things that they just can't control. So we'll move on. We will move on. Yeah. And I think... I think it's really important to trust your doctor and partner with your doctor because this is very, very complicated stuff. This is very complicated surgery and a process. And I felt so in tune with my, my surgeon. He was so explicit about what he was going to do, what I was going to experience. I experienced exactly what he said there were no surprises. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like mm-hmm. having information where I'm not surprised. It was extremely intense, right. but it worked out. I yep. mean, you guys, I mean, nobody can tell that I've had anything. I'm working as a baby nanny. I'm running. I'm walking. Nobody knows what happened to me unless they know what happened to me. And right. that's kind of astonishing honestly. And my surgeon was amazing in terms of, he described so much to me that it made me a little nauseous. Okay. Of like everything that was going to happen right. with cutting out of the hip and all this stuff. But he was really right on, on track. And yeah. I personally deal well with information. So when people say to me, oh, my God, I can't even tell anything happened to you. It's kind of astonishing when I think about everything that I've been through. And I really credit my surgeon and the medical team and, you know, the education I got, because I think the more you know, the more you're able to participate in the process and not be scared. Right. Absolutely. The more you know, it kind of takes the fear and the anxiety out of things. If you at least have an idea of what you're going to go into, how this is supposed to play out. And there might be those small deviations, but for in the most part, you're still heading down the right path. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for patients to know there is a plan. I mean, the team is here to take care of you. Yeah. And that team is your surgeon the anesthesia doctor, the infectious disease doctors, your family doctor, the physical therapists, the pharmacists, you know, your family members that are going to help you during the recovery. It's a whole team approach here to get you back on your feet and get you moving again. Absolutely. And communication is key, whether it's among team members, team members and the patient, patient and family, family and the team, 
That is key here. There's got to be a strong communication, open communication among everyone to make sure everyone understands what's going on and explain, you know, next steps and why antibiotics are important, why we got to do stuff the way we do. And that's the kind of central theme of all of this is if something happens, okay, it happens. Sometimes it's like, like you guys have said, it's out of our hands. It happens. We get to the right people, we address it and move on. And that's kind of what the name of the game is. Thank you for listening to part three of our infection and joint replacement podcast as discussed from a patient's perspective. Please be sure to tune in for part four of our podcast. Remember, for more information about all aspects of hip and knee replacement, please visit our website at hipknee.aahks.org. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.